Welcome to NCBA's Cattleman's Call podcast with host Lane Nordland. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cattleman's Call podcast. I'm Lane Nordland and today we are going to continue to talk about the issues and the opportunities that cattlemen and women have in having a future in the cattle business and along with some of the opportunities that they can utilize to help make their operations even more successful. I'm actually excited to introduce a, a new name to the podcast, that being AgriWeb. They are going to be joining us here today talking about all the new 21st century technology and information that helps producers make better decisions today for more profits tomorrow. Uh, It's a really great uh, resource that producers uh, across the globe are utilizing and more and more here in the U.S. are, are picking up and utilizing to help make their profits better out in the countryside. But first, I would just like to introduce Kobe Buck, who is calling in today from Colorado. He is with AgriWeb, but uh, Kobe, I know you are a fifth-generation producer from there in eastern Colorado. Uh, First off, uh, how's the weather and how's your day going in Colorado here today? Yeah, thanks, Lane. Uh, Weather's been great, actually, in eastern Colorado. Uh, I've heard producer producer and and producers all around the the state being able to say that they've gotten a few inches of rain. So it's much needed after just the last couple of years of drought that we've seen, especially in southeastern Colorado. But weather has been great. The sun's popping up. So hopefully we get some photosynthesis out here uh, for the next few days before we can expect some more moisture. But can't complain overall. Thanks for having me. No, happy to have you here. And as we record this show, as I broadcast from Montana, we have rain, sleet, and snow falling here as we get close to wrapping up the month of May. So we are very much appreciative of this moisture and and, and, and the days where it does uh, get a little dry so we can actually get uh, some spring chores like Brandon wrapped up. But uh, Kobe, uh, as I mentioned, you are with AgriWeb, and I'm excited to learn more about uh, uh, the the technology itself and how it's unique to every single cattlemen and women when it comes to how it is uh, uh, designed to help their operations. But uh, I, I just want to talk maybe about your family and uh, your cattle operation and the history that you have in uh, the your family's leadership in NCBA, pre-NCBA, and also in the state of Colorado. Yeah, yeah. So first and foremost, uh, just so I don't disenfranchise our audience, I, I grew up on a cattle ranch in eastern Colorado. My parents own and operate Ray Cattle Company, which is just outside the small town of Ray. But we've been out here in the Eastern Plains, primarily in the Kit Carson, Colorado area, uh, for about five generations, a little over 100 years. So not very many of us leave this industry. We always find our way back to it. But overall, it's been a great way to grow up and and still do what we do on a day-to-day basis is something that's pretty awesome to see. Well, again, it's so great to be able to talk to, to fellow multi-generational uh, agriculturalists, uh, but also uh, a lot of our listeners are first-generation agriculturalists. So like I always say, it's it's great to have all the folks that have been involved in the industry, the history that comes with it, the knowledge that our forefathers have uh, taught us. But also, like today, we're going to be discussing one of those uh, tools that uh, our forefathers would have never even been able to wrap their minds around. Uh, but uh, that, that that's the great thing about uh, today. Yeah. Technology and, and that's what I love about sharing these new opportunities here on the podcast. But uh, you better give a, a mention also uh, for, for some of the past presidents of uh, the ANCA, of course, uh, the predecessor to NCBA, uh, that you had some past uh, presidents uh, in, in your family as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, looking back to the original founder of our family operation, uh, my great-great-grandfather was the president of the a- ANCA um, back in the 1930s. His name was Charlie Collins. So he originally, I think, was on some kettle drives in the late 1800s and decided to hang his hat in Colorado, but then started to take a leadership role in the industry kind of right as things were be- were pretty tumultuous with the Great Depression, with the Dust Bowl. So he served for two terms in the 1930s, right as that Agricultural Adjustment Act was coming through. And then his son also followed in his footsteps Don Collins is his name, my great-grandfather, and he became president of the ANCA in the 1950s. Well, it's uh, great to hear that family history and uh, the uh, individuals that saw the need to step step up into leadership 
take a little bit of a break. You know, it's so hard to get away from our operations, but uh, uh, it's, it's always uh, a great to, to just to talk to people and look at the history of the selfless individuals who have given their time and helped advocate on behalf of the cattle business. So that great, great little uh, shot into the history of your family in the business. And, and as I mentioned, uh, your role with AgriWeb, uh, you uh, you have actually before we jump into that, you actually have quite uh, quite the uh, resume when it comes to your education as well. Yeah, you know, I haven't met many uh, uh, fifth generation uh, cattle producers that have attended Harvard. Yeah, uh, I, I've met a couple throughout my years just through the alumni network, but not not very many find their way to the East Coast. Um, I think I, I kind of disappointed my parents a little bit by not going to the CSU. We're, we're uh, loud and proud Rams fans, but but overall, it was a great experience. I mean, the people that I met at school at Harvard were, were phenomenal. I, I first and foremost met my fiance there, which paid for its tu- paid for the tuition itself, and then secondarily, I, I just really learned how to listen to a lot of people that come from diverse backgrounds, and, and was able. It, it really provided me a uh, a great skill set to synthesize that, think critically, and, and especially as I come back to our, the industry that I grew up in and love, to really look at potential solutions for, for the industry and producers as a whole. Well, and it probably gave you a unique opportunity to engage with uh, consumers that maybe don't fully understand production agriculture, sustainability behind raising beef cattle. What was it like maybe interacting with some of your uh, fellow Harvard uh, classmates? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that I really enjoyed listening because I think that, I mean, first and foremost, listen to their hesitations, listen to their, their overall mindset. And by kind of using that information and understanding their, their perspective, um, we can come back here and, and produce a, a, a better product and, and something that aligns with the consumer interest that may be two or three generations removed from, from agriculture as a whole. And also, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, it became pretty funny. So whenever I kind of told a couple of friends that I was going home to the ranch uh, pretty soon, they'd ask if they could come and, and that would turn into 20 kids. We had to take a local school bus up to the airport to pick up 20 kids from Harvard that wanted to go out and see uh, what it's like to grow up on a cattle ranch. We had uh, I, I played rugby up there. So we had a couple of kids come out to help us with those brandings, to help us with some cattle work. And it was pretty cheap labor, to be honest with you. Um, but <laughs> overall, that's really allowed our operation to to expand and, and really kind of offer uh, uh, the ability to – we've had kids from, from England. We've had kids from all over the world come to our ranch just to kind of see what's like growing uh, up on a ranch and producing cattle. So I, I loved it. I, I, and I, I was surprised by – the interest in, in my background and surprised by the willingness to learn about our industry. So it was great. Well, and it's just so fascinating. Again, we, we are so used to the terminology in agriculture. We're so used to, you know, it's wintertime, so we're feeding, it, then it's calving season, then we're branding. And, and again, I, I've always been uh, uh, so uh, an advocate, I guess I would say, for farmers and ranchers to tell their stories. And uh, th- this is such a great way because consumers do want to know where their food comes from. And just having that uh, hands-on experience like they had coming to your family's operation is great because, you know, some some operations, uh, grandpa or dad may not want 20 people from the East Coast that have never been on a farm or ranch to come out there. But it, it's truly a way to open the eyes of consumers to, to show off the hard work and the uh, multi-genera- multi-generational operations that we have across the nation. So I, I just think that's great where people have, that have no experience in production agriculture are able to see it in person and, uh, and can make up their own mind instead of uh, reading about uh, fake fake uh, blogs and everything like that that run down our industry. But that's my little off into the sagebrush rant there. <laughs> yeah, and I will say that it's also opened our eyes as a family being able to break down what we do to the the simplest explanations, understand the questions that the consumer has and, and, and learn from uh, kids that have never been on a ranch and, and really be able to see what they care about and understand uh, where the, their thought process lies. And, and that's improved our operation and it's allowed us to, to become more efficient and, and to be more transparent. We have kind of an open door policy. If anyone wants to come to our ranch, just, 
look me up and we'd probably be able to arrange it. So, uh, yeah, it's been very fortunate overall. Uh, and I think that that knowledge and, and that perspective goes both ways. Now, of course, uh, as I mentioned, you are with AgriWeb, and I know when folks uh, hear about uh, new tools or strategies that producers can utilize to really help manage uh, their operations, uh, help look at their bottom lines, uh, people get a little skeptical, I know, especially when it's a new technology. But uh, this isn't uh, AgriWeb isn't something that was created in Silicon Valley with all the tech giants. Uh, could you just give us an overview of, of how AgriWeb got started and who started? First and foremost, uh, like I was originally introduced to, to AgriWeb by looking at our ranch and looking for solutions for our ranch because I was over on the East Coast for a while, and every time I wanted to get information from my dad on how, how we're doing, what we're what things need to be done, how we're performing financially, I would have to sit on the phone for three hours and, and still didn't have a very good picture of how we lie and our overall design, both profitability wise and sustainability wise. So I was looking around and I got in touch with the AgriWeb co-founders and surprised and relieved to see that both of the, or two of the three co-founders grew up in cattle environments, cattle farms, I guess they call it over in Australia. Um, but they were fifth generation ranchers and they really thought through the process of what goes on in the day-to-day -day, uh, uh, dynamics of a cattle ranch. So they, they designed this platform from the bottom up, sitting in the pastures or paddocks with the, the rancher, working shoot side with them to, to understand what their needs are and how the product can be moved forward. So the product as of right now and what it is, is really just a ranch management software. So it, it and one thing that I really loved about this was it synthesized our grazing with our animals, with our financials. So, I mean, we can look at our stocking rates and how they impact the amount of forage that we have simply by dragging and dropping uh, our herds on our mobile platform, being able to see days rest, um, animal unit days accrued very simply. And then taking that into the financial is being able to drop hay out, being able to accrue costs to, specific business lines uh, or specific herds. So you can really see what drives profitability. And, and Lane, I think the ultimate test here is like, I think they're onto something. And then I handed the, uh, my dad, I downloaded it on my dad's iPad, handed it to him. And five minutes later, he was plugging away at herds. He was moving them around. He was putting forage estimates in when it comes to uh, the day-to-day -day design of our operation so just that ease of use my dad's 58 and he took to it like a cow takes to salt i mean it was just it was really cool to see and then at the end of the month we went through the reports after what we've done on the ranch and, and being able to see all of that data captured um off the mobile platform no cell phone service required and parsed into our grazing reports our financial reports into our feed per herd reports. It was just, I mean, from our perspective, just really kind of made our operation and our goals transparent and, and efficient. So when we look at that efficiency, you, you, you found this, you, you reached out to the founders, you tried it out yourself. I, I guess, what were the results of uh, using 21st century technology, optimizing your grazing, looking at livestock performance, and, and helping make better decisions with all this insight. Did, did you see results uh, within the first few months or, or year that you utilized it? Yeah, I think it was twofold. So this software has been around for six or seven years in Australia, um, and then they expanded to the UK in 2018. And they were kind of dipping their toe into the complex market of the United States. And... Uh, so being able to see it and, and, and really see those gains and just have everyone on the same page, have all of our records captured and, and streamlined, we were able to see that, okay, like we have a competitive edge when it comes to maybe producing replacement heifers. And then when it comes to our coal cow side of things, um, that's something where we're starting to adapt. We might, uh, where we might look to sell seven and eight year olds as opposed to the gummers that you see around the 10 age uh, mark. And just to, to limit the costs that go into those animals from a feed perspective. We're also looking to flex our operation um, a little bit more towards stockers if need be, but uh, it's really allowed us to look at our business and, and adapt just based off of profitability and, and what works in our environment. Uh, the other 
positive outcome that came out there is uh, after seeing the platform, uh, I reached out to me and asked if I would be interested in joining the team to help them launch in the United States. So one of the co-founders um, reached out to us right as the pandemic was starting. And uh, I, I quickly came all over from the East Coast, helped my dad have out 200 heifers and and started onboarding and localizing AgriWeb so that U.S. producers can take advantage of it. So my day-to-day role is I'm, I'm the U.S. account manager. And what that really means is I work with producers every day, strategically consult them on how to best use the technology, strategically build the product around their operation, because every operation is a little bit unique. Everyone has different goals so that they can utilize it for, for the goals that they have and, and hopefully to see the the overall performance of the platform. I mean, over the last seven years, it seems like AgriWeb's had a, a lot of early success with across Australia and the UK and now the US. Um, we have about 14.5, maybe 15 million animals uh, in livestock under management. That's across 6,500 plus operations. And when it comes to the acre size, I, I, I can't even guess when it comes to the footprint, but we're excited where the, where this we're excited for where this goes in the future, especially looking at uh, the United States because the United States still has that market competitive drive when it comes to uh, cattle production and, and being able to kind of uh, reap what you sow type of design in a positive way so that every producer can 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 grow land expand or accomplish the goals that they're they're looking to with their operation. And also, Kobe, uh, looking back to, you know, your your interactions with your classmates at Harvard and bringing them out, probably one of the talking points was, well, why don't you grow crops on this, on some of this land? Well, most of the time we always respond, well, uh, you can't grow crops in a lot of the, the regions across the West, and but we can turn that grass and that potential wildfire hazard into a rich, nutritious protein. And, and that's one thing that I've really enjoyed uh, researching AgriWeb and looking at, at it is really grazing is the center of the of the tool itself. And the rancher, of course, uh, gets to utilize that in, in, in your interaction with them. Could you maybe look uh, explain more about how that interaction that you have with ranchers, focusing on grazing and, and how that all comes into helping with those decision-making processes on profitability. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, Lane, we're just grass growers. And uh, I mean, the, our livelihood depends on the grass that we have at the disposal of the cattle. And we're never going to hurt the land or sacrifice the native ecosystem to support more animals uh, for the short run. So the platform was designed with grazing at the center of of the universe i mean so it's very evident by just opening up agriweb you can see your entire ranch mapped out with the water infrastructure and then also each pasture or paddock has uh the, the ability to to you can estimate forage on on every pasture so having that there and setting minimum forage targets whether it's the the take half leap half or you have a more intensive grazing approach you're right there able to to manage your ranch as it lies via that map. So simply dragging and dropping, we can cap- capture animal unit days um, on, a, uh, on any given pasture, days rest, and we can ensure that no portion of our ranch is, is being overgrazed or uh, overutilized and could be detrimental to, to the ecosystem as a whole. Well, yeah, and the sustainability of those pastures is our livelihoods. And you look at the situation that so many producers in the West and Southwest are facing right now, even with the moisture we have been receiving, we're still in exceptional and severe drought conditions across the majority of the Western United States. How how can that drought uh, possibility or, or trying to plan and hedge for, you know, how much grass you may or may not have, how can that play into how a producer uh, looks at AgriWeb and puts in uh, data uh, for trying to plan those uh, those grazing patterns? Yeah, Lane, I think you bring up a, a really important point that uh, I was just thinking about the other day. I mean, in our industry, Drought is inevitable. Uh, we are going to experience drought probably three years out of the 10 at least. Um, 
in eastern Colorado or especially the southwest that's being hit really hard right now. I think one thing that, that probably directly affects the pocketbook of these ranchers is with a tool like AgriWeb, you're able to see how much grass you have out there, adjust that forage mark, and know if we don't have rain by June 15th, we have approximately two months of grass left for our cattle before we have to take uh, cattle to the cell barn, stand in line with our neighbors and unload as everyone else is unloading in the area, which obviously has an impact on the cost per head or, or the revenue per head when you're going through those liquidation periods. Being able to see that and have that contingency plan outlined so 60, 80 days before the, you run out of grass, you can adjust your, your inventory, you can manage around the, the drought and, and be able to hopefully preserve uh, your, your, your capital and preserve the land at the same time. Additionally, um, when you run out of grass, you, you don't want to keep cattle on as long as possible or longer than, than you have to. So being able to ensure that you have adequate rest, even in a low precipitation environment, is just ingrained in the software. So looking at pasture forage uh, and marrying that with rainfall data and being able to forecast, okay, what's the recovery period for this pasture before we can put cattle back onto it? Now, of course, so many of us have uh, our red record books that we start filling out uh, for cow-calf operators, uh, 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 like 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 uh, our our side of things. Uh, you start filling those out when that calf hits the ground. You know what the day what the day was, what yep. what sex it was. Uh, you know uh, weight. You know all, all the data that 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 we put into our handwritten little books. Uh, what has what the interaction been like working with maybe someone like your dad or, or other operations when they can take that data and other inputs, what, what maybe they purchased that mother cow uh, at, uh, how old the, the mother cow is? Uh, that's one thing I maybe want to uh, peel back a little bit more on this conversation is all the data that we can put in there and how it can be a part of a producer's day-to-day -day activities and managing their operations and how, how this really all comes together. Because I guess a way I could paint this is those that are familiar with like QuickBooks Online, that's what this, the, 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 the layout is very familiar to that. Is that a fair uh, uh, analogy of that? Yeah, I would say uh, we, we try to make it a lot less complicated than, than QuickBooks or some accounting <laughs> software. Uh, we primarily focus on just uh, managerial accounting. So looking at your gross margin, your cost of production. So simply when you buy those 20 replacement heifers, you put that price in that you purchased them for, and you let them then run across your, your ranch. You, you, of course, manage them. You can drag them and drop them on, on the app of AgriWeb. You can feed a hay bill to them. But just those simple movements allows us to, first of all, cap capture the purchase price and then accrue cost to them, whether it is um, hay being fed. I mean, hay is getting pretty expensive in some parts of the, the world. So being able to look at your feed cost, which is definitely the most impactful when it comes to profitability. So being able to see which animals require the most feed, all of that just naturally accrues with a couple of clicks. Um, and then you can see gross margin for any given year. You can see cost of production for any given year or you can expand it out to the, the five or seven year time horizon of any given cow that you hope to have on your land. So it, it, it's pretty great. Those little red calving books are, are tough to replace, but in our perspective, they're also impossible to replicate if you lose one out while you're building fence or if one goes through the washer machine, it, it's just yeah. impossible to get that data out of there. Um, so one thing that, that I thought the founders did a great job doing when it comes to building the platform is making it easy to use. Your phone's about the same size as your, your calving book. So put it in your pocket, go on the go. You don't need cell phone service. And just a couple of clicks allows you to preserve that data, all the management decisions that you have in perpetuity. So you can look back at it in five years time and you don't have to punch into Excel spreadsheet at the end of the day. It's just right there waiting for you in reports. Now, Kobe, obviously having this data, helping producers look at their operations in a more in-depth 
way. Again, that's what I'm most fascinated about, looking at the grazing, looking at maybe yep. that, that heifer that hits the ground, and, and you keep her as a replacement heifer, and you know she, you could track her for the next uh, 8, 12 years, however long that you may keep her. I, I think that's what's yep. most fascinating. But when we talk about data, that's one thing that we hear so much about, especially from consumers or maybe the folks that aren't uh, uh, fans of livestock production, the anti-animal ag folks that just seem to pull data out of the air. or They take a study by a university or from USDA and they skew it to their uh, benefit and their talking points that makes cattle production look bad. So th- I think that's why when we look at data like this, when we can actually talk about sustainability and our impact on climate and methane and everything like that, this is data that helps have a positive conversation that backs up the benefits of livestock production. Yeah, absolutely, Lane. And first and foremost, let, let's talk about data because oftentimes I think a, a lot of other tech companies uh, have a propensity to abuse your data. So rule number one, value number one when it comes to agro-web is we live for the ranchers, the guys out there in the pasture working cattle, whether it's a cow-calf operation, a stocker operation, or something in between. So grazable animals are what we focus on. Uh, so producers own their own data they they have uh they use their own data we do not share any of their data without the the producer's permission so first and foremost let's get out of the way it's the rancher's data and uh no one's going to use it besides you it might be managed on agri-web but for, for from our perspective you own that data and no one has a right to it but you um and then you bring up the the, the larger grand scheme of things of data and and I think it was back in school is you can be, uh, that I learned that you can basically find a statistic to back up any type of thesis. Uh, a lot of the, the, the cattle industry, the livestock industry and, um, protein supply chains can oftentimes be misconstrued, um, because they don't have the whole picture. And I think that one thing that, that we're passionate about is, I mean, we want, uh, not just live for the rancher, but also work with the rancher. So if, if we can synthesize data that's supporting our story because it is a great story um, when it comes to cattle production and, and livestock production. Um, it, it's a phenomenal story. So if we can back up uh, the, the thesis and support our story with great data, I, I think that hopefully we can change a lot of uh, consumer mindsets when it comes to our industry. And looking at that, uh, I mean, that opens up a, a, a ton of different possibilities. We're currently engaged in conversations when it comes to potential carbon sequestration for pasture-based operations, um, looking at the cattle operations, looking at the sheep operations across the globe, and seeing what we can do to help solve their problems on the ground, but also advocate for the industry as a whole. Well, I think the point that you made that the data is the rancher's data, I I, I think that was probably one thing a lot of producers were thinking about as we had this conversation because we we hear, you know, a lot of the issues that occurs in the equipment industry or other uh, aspects of where our personal data is. I I think that helps them uh, breathe a little easier and probably maybe opens up their mind a little more as we talk about this ranch management tool. And I, I just think the sustainability uh, aspect of it has been, it's so important to talk about. And, and sustainability has been the, the really the, the it word uh, uh, for the past few months, uh, the change in the presidential admin, administrations, uh, the, the, the talk about the 30 by 30 that so many producers are concerned about, the proposal by the Biden administration. Um, this is backing up that the, the true sustainable role that uh, cattle and, and sheep, Sheep can be utilized in this as well. I, I might add, a lot of producers out there uh, do run yep. multi-species, uh, so the the sustainability efforts are, are so important as we look at this. What are some of the other sustainability topics that uh, are discussed with AgriWeb and the rancher clients out there that uh, that you really would like to highlight? And that that's an important part of your business as well, maybe. Like one thing that I, I, I think that needs to kind of be um, understood. And, and I mean, this frankly goes into like the, the emissions discussion. Um, yeah, cattle have emissions, but I think that working with our producer, producers globally, um, 
we are seeing and we're it, it's pretty evident that cattle are some of the only protein cattle and sheep i guess or, or some of the only protein sources that that are really raised within an ecosystem um some other protein sources have to be uh, kind of more designed in, in, in a confined scenario we focus on pasture-based livestock where i mean laying out on our ranch i'm looking out the window right now i mean we run a cow to every 10 or 15 acres um and so just being able to to show the consumer that that the average stocking rate globally for us is probably one out of every 20 acres um for a lot of these producers so being able to say okay one cow gets 20 football fields to themselves it seems like uh that's often forgotten. And, and what is that land representing? Well, it's representing a natural ecosystem, uh, especially here in the United States. We have 650 million acres of rangeland and pasture land. Uh, that's 85% of which is, is unsuitable for crops or, or tillage. So being able to preserve that these ecosystems and and really kind of manage the the ecosystems and protect them. Um, from development is something that also goes hand in hand with the cattle industry. Um, yeah, just looking off of, I think I read an NCBA article last night, but when it comes to cattle production in the United States, we're, we're the most sustainable and the most environmentally friendly cattle supply chain in, uh, across the globe. We have 2% of our uh, country's emissions directly correlated to to livestock and, and when you overlay that with the ecosystem on which they operate i mean it becomes a, a much larger net net effect where the land that they're they're um, grazing on sustainably is also pulling a lot of emissions into the soil improving our soil allowing us to grow more grass and and for the most part um improving our bottom line and our carrying capacity now, as you bring up carrying capacity, Kobe, could you maybe expand more on how your family's operation has made improvements to your own operation over the years, but how now utilizing AgriWeb, how it's going to really change how you quantify decision-making processes and use the data and maybe talk about uh, your grazing management strategies on your operation? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and first, I'll, I'll probably kind of explain the design of our operation because I mean every range is a little bit different. Uh, we've over the last thirty some years uh, at Ray Cowell Company, we've deployed um, a rotational grazing design. Uh, our ranches, it's kind of interesting, Lane. Like uh, I was looking at it the other day and driving around the pickup, we're kind of at the, the this junction of two or three different ecosystems. So about half of our ranches is kind of the sandy chop hills that you might see in, in western Nebraska, northwestern Nebraska. We have um, probably six miles of riverbed that is um, a little bit lonelier, has more clay um, that produces more forage. And then right across Highway 34, uh, you have kind of the, the, the landscape that's similar to the Flint Hills of, of Kansas, perhaps, or Western Kansas, just rocky kind of limestone design. That, uh, so our operation, we're forced to kind of run three different ranches all un under the one one uh, umbrella. So we have different grazing protocols for each side of things. For the majority of our ranch, which is in the sandy, uh, in, for for a majority of our ranch, which is kind of in the sand hills of of Nebraska and Colorado, we typically deploy like a five to seven uh, day rotation. Each pasture is broken out into somewhere between. 150 acres and maybe 250 acres of lava to that perhaps old school uh, wagon wheel design, but we can't be too intensive on the land because with that sandy soil, you're, you're, you have a propensity for blowouts. So just gradually moving these cattle at a, a, a good herd size to rotate through these uh, uh, cells has allowed us to manage our forage better and has allowed us to um, really kind of utilize the ground and soil, hit those cool seasons, which make up about 80% of our pasture, and then come back again for a, a briefer grazing cycle during those warm seasons and, and nip those as well, but also give roughly 350 days rest to any one pasture. So looking at that and looking kind of back, I was talking to my father, uh, looking back over the last 10 years, I would say, when before I kind of left uh, for, for school, Looking back, we, we, we probably 
increased our carrying capacity from maybe 35% to 50%, somewhere around there. Uh, Grant, that was not always a linear line because we would have three or four years of drought in the decade. We would have two wet years, and then we'd have what what people call average years uh, for the remainder of the decade. But looking at where we've gone and where we've come, I mean, I know we've done well. The question is, we don't really know how well we've done. So looking at 35 to 45 or 50% increase, like that's a substantial increase in, in stocking rates, but we don't know if it's 30% or, or 50% in all honesty, uh, because frankly, we, we have a couple of old cabin books that's in the, the drawer of my dad's office desk, but we don't really have the, the set number of head that we ran consistently a decade ago versus now. That's one thing that I'm really excited about personally when it comes to our operation is just having those records and those head counts and the carrying capacity and the stocking rate of your operation throughout any given year. If you, you look back at after five years or a decade, you'd be able to see the ROI of maybe another couple of stock tanks, a couple of subdivisions and fences, and just be able to see how much you have improved your overall carrying capacity, how many more head of cattle that you run. And I think that, I mean, that's the name of the game in, in our business when we're primarily native grass uh, grazing uh, pastures. And as you look at your experience, uh, obviously looking at your different rotations over the years, now utilizing AgroWeb to really quantify uh, those grazing practices is definitely going to help for, for decades to come, obviously. And so you, you, that's one thing that you have the knowledge in production agriculture. You have an understanding of AgriWeb itself. So what, what is your day-to-day like uh, apart from the ranch when, when you're working with cattlemen and women, explaining this product, uh, helping them uh, uh, make the big step into sharing their data uh, on this online flat platform that they will own. Uh, what, what does that look like? And what are some of those key questions you receive from producers that are just starting out? To be honest with you, Lane, I have the best job in the world because day in and day out, I'm talking to producers all over the country. And for me, I'm always a pretty curious guy and always eager to learn. It's just fascinating to see uh, producers in the Southeast versus the Pacific Northwest versus maybe the high desert of Utah or Nevada, and then bring it back down to Texas and understand the different management protocols and what they care about. Because sustainability when it comes to Eastern Colorado, Western Nebraska is very different than I was listening to your podcast the other day uh, uh, with the Florida producers. Uh, sustainability down in Florida. I mean, being able to run enough cattle to keep the grass under control is their problem. Not or, And our problem is making sure that we have enough grass for, to, to run our cattle sustainably. So just learning from all of these different producers is what I do on a day-to-day basis. Uh, in the world of Zoom, I probably have like three or four hour meetings or three or four hour long meetings with uh, three or four different producers across the country, uh, whether it's drought mitigation and contingency plans over with a, over in California, or whether it is just ramping up a genetics pro- program in the Midwest, uh, being able to work and see these different environments at which the product is used is always like great to see. So Kobe, at the end of the day, when you are working with a producer that is just coming online or maybe has utilized this for a few uh, uh, grazing seasons, what are the key takeaways that they are sharing with you on how it's going to help them stay in business and how it's a tool that is helping family dynamics maybe work even a little better together? Yeah, yeah. You know, Lane, I think that uh, I've heard it a couple of times, but it seems like most families, the, the only time they argue is when they're working cattle or, or talking about cattle. So uh, one thing that, that I see is a great impact that uh, I've seen is just having everyone on the same page, uh, like seeing whether it, uh, the office uh, admin that's recording all this information, just seeing the impact they have on, on their stress levels and, and being able to save them time so that they don't have to work in Excel for 10 hours a, uh, a day and try to figure out what reports to send the, the ranch manager on those larger operations is huge. But um, also just looking at the impact um, for a couple of our producers, being able to, the, the platform is designed to adapt to your your entire, whatever management design that you have. So like out here, we're prim- primarily herd-based, but some operations that might be more so um, focused on genetics, m- might be more so focused on um, 
individual animals have an artificial insemination protocol, um, they might be looking at the individuals a lot more specifically. So like in times of trouble, when everything seems to go wrong, it won't rain, um, kettle prices have dropped due to COVID or high corn. Uh, like one thing that, that I think a lot of people realize is when they're looking to adjust and adapt to those, they can preserve the quality of their, their, their animals, the quality and really the, the bread basket, the, the, the breadwinner cattle on their operation so that they can kind of weather these storms better than, than most. Um, also, I think that a lot of ranchers, like including my dad, uh, just were, were looking at this and they were mostly just pen and paper, write it on a glove, write it on that leg, whatever surface you can find type of uh, guys that manage a lot of their, and they, they frankly done a good job managing these operations, these large complex operations all in their head. Uh, one thing that I think was, was pretty cool to see is answering those known questions that you always have, but unknown answers where you can't really find the exact um, number to make it all make sense. So being able to look at and have your reports automatically parse out an accurate pounds weaned per cow exposed if you're focusing on weaning weights, or being able to look at herd by herd production or, bit, or cost of production and, and looking at the business lines that you have, like what's the profitability of stockers versus my cow calf versus my purebred herd versus my uh, replacement heifers and my bred heifers, being able to break those out and silo those all down to the the different herds that you have out there and being able to know where where you're the most competitive, I think has been an enormous value add to a lot of these operations. Um, if we look at, I mean, a lot of operations, it's pretty easy to, uh, if you're focusing on weights and you're running a stalker operation, like if we can just add five or 10 pounds to a calf that we're running, like the ROI is huge. So it's just a game of numbers and being able to manage those numbers more efficiently and know those answers of what's my break even immediately before you market them is uh, something that, that I see a lot of producers come back with. Now, as some of our maybe younger producers or folks that are just coming back to the operation and, and they do have to work with their parents or their in-laws and, and they're looking at AgriWeb, they see this as, man, this this could help us get the ranch paid off. Maybe it could help us expand or just honestly, uh, stay in business. And that's, that's what we all want to do is just, we, we, we all want to be a part of this, the cattle industry in some way or form. And, and uh, a lot of the time we don't make a lot of money in the business, but it's the way of life. It's, it's what we know, but it's not all we know. And that's why I'm very intrigued by AgriWeb, but back to the point of someone, and it sounds like your dad might be a little more open-minded to some, uh, some, uh, new changes in technologies out there, but (sighs) What, what is a tip that you have for those producers that may be uh, going to dinner uh, tonight or maybe uh, into the house for lunch tomorrow and, and bringing up this new tool to help out an operation? What, what are some of the, the key things you would want a producer to share with their business partners on, on why, why this would be a great option for them, uh, how the pricing will work for their operation, and, and how, at the end of the day, it is going to be a tool that every single family member will utilize in looking at their management of the ranch. Yep, yep, absolutely. And, Lane, I don't know if I would uh, qualify my dad as a open-minded guy, really, but um, that's, that, that's what kind of made me surprised when when I showed him AgriWeb and he was just ecstatic. I mean, I mean, just looking at his ranch on the map, being able to see different pastures and different herds just right there in front of him. Now he just throws the iPad in the pickup and goes out for 12 hours, comes back, and that, that information syncs up once he comes into service or internet, and he has all of his stuff uh, there. If, if you're running a multi-generational operation, I think that one thing that gives my folks and a lot of folks that we speak to peace of mind is uh, when it comes to transitioning into the younger generation, uh, AgriWeb is a great tool when it comes to being able to record the previous management design. So, I mean, that key man risk thing is a huge problem. So uh, if, if something, God forbid, happens to someone on the ranch, there's just so much knowledge there that, that could be potentially erased or, or, or lost. So being able just to have simple infrastructure, like this windmill was built in 1980. It's well depth was 75 feet. Like 
having that basic information there and gives a lot of, it gives my father at least uh, a, some peace of mind at night. And it's really cool to see uh, the interactions of the generation. So uh, my younger brother who also disappointed the family and went to Oklahoma State instead of CSU uh, <laughs> and then graduated from the TCU Ranch Management Program. He is back on the range and he's trying to, he's trying to kind of grow his responsibilities and, and look to take this operation into the next generation and, and hopefully five more after that. Um, so being able to talk to my dad and actually see how he's used to managing it, but also introducing new experiments and, and new tests, like we're doing winter grazing for a portion of our ranch right now, just to see, can we kind of lower our uh, winter feed costs and, and do some utilize winter grazing without sacrificing the summer forage production. So we're, we're doing that on, on the side of our ranch. He, he's looking to uh, just really kind of bring in new ideas and new energy into this operation, which I think is great to see. Whether you're a multi-generation operation or you're the first guy in your family to, to come and find this jewel of a livelihood, it's really, really cool to see just being able to keep stuff down, see what went wrong, what could have gone better without having to wait till the end of the year to see how did I do this year, but knowing exactly where you stand with your grazing, with your grass, with your animal performance throughout the year overall. Well, I'm, uh, I'm excited looking at this. I, I know I think we're going to, I'm going to have to bring this up at the next family meeting uh, personally, <laughs> which uh, those are, yeah. it's always the hardest part is actually just bringing up the talking point for, for so many of us. Um, where can folks, obviously, agarweb.com slash U.S. is the website. But, Kobe, if folks want to get in contact with you personally or if they could, they can actually try this out for free, they don't even have to put a credit card in um, on rec file to try it out because uh, I know your crew is so confident that folks will subscribe. Uh, how can they get in contact with you and learn more about AgriWeb and, and how you can help them be more successful out on the range? Yeah, I, I would say AgriWeb is probably not known to the household for, for most operations because we've only been in the U.S. We've only had product for the U.S. for about six months now. So um, the best way to kind of explore it is, is obviously just uh, go to AgriWeb.com, A-G-R-I-W-E-B-B, two B's at the end. It always catches everyone off guard. Uh, and, and you can just peruse through uh what we have to offer we're, we're hosting we've been hosting quite a few webinars putting content out there just to not just be a a presence in the industry from a product perspective but also actively engage with producers on the best way to learn from each other and produce cattle more efficiently um more sustainably and, and really ensure that this livelihood is, is around for for the next couple hundred years uh if you want to get in touch with me i i must admit, um, I don't have too much social media, but uh, what I do have is a LinkedIn. So you can just look me up at LinkedIn at C-O-B-Y-B-U-C-K. Or also feel free to shoot me an email uh, directly to my inbox. It's coby.buck at agroweb.com. Again, agroweb with two Bs, but always happy and eager to connect with people. I look at this and I can learn something from any rancher that I talk to. So feel free to reach out to me directly um, and I'll, I'll try to be on top of my inbox. Sometimes it, it gets pretty, pretty heavy, but uh, I'll try to respond in a timely manner and would love to just hear your thoughts, learn more about your operation and just kind of see like where the potential lies to, to improve the industry as a whole. Well, again, I, I, better decisions today for more profits tomorrow. AgroWeb, two Bs on that, webb.com is going to be the, the place where you can go. And, and Kobe, I, I truly have enjoyed this conversation. And uh, and I just think having that uh, knowledge that you have in the cattle industry, the work that you've done in it, and to also be able to be a client of AgriWeb as well, looking at this, uh, obviously folks folks uh, should visit them again, as I mentioned, agriweb.com. Kobe, anything else that you would just like to share with us before I let our, you and our listeners get back to their uh, tasks here on this beautiful spring day? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would say, Lane, um, like I, I mentioned to my folks that I, I was jumping on uh, to have a conversation with you, and, and my mother just 
said, oh, you're talking about McLean? I listen to the podcast all the time. So <laughs> I really appreciate what you're, you're doing and what NCBA is doing um, when it comes to just being more transparent and having these producer conversations, having these industry-specific conversations. So really like what you're doing. And uh, if I'm ever up in Montana, you might get an email from me because I'm always keen to look at different operations and try to take more away from from what we see on the, uh, in, in the different geographies across the U.S. But it's been an absolute pleasure uh, speaking with you today. Uh, if you have any questions or anything, just feel free to reach out. Well, tell your mom hello and, and uh, uh, thank you for, for tuning in to the podcast. Uh, we, we enjoy uh, hearing that and, and interacting, of course, with our listeners because, like I always say, I, I, I'm just a broke wannabe rancher that uh, talks for a living. So uh, it's always my pleasure to, to have these conversations and, and to meet so many people in the industry. And, and uh, I'll probably be looking forward. Are your folks going to be at the Colorado Cattlemen's uh, meeting in June? Uh, yeah, we're going to see. So our calving season is, is kind of right in the, the April 1st to end of May type of design. So it's typically a little hectic yep. when it comes to uh, getting off the ranch at that time. They'll all definitely be there. So I'm looking forward to, to meeting and, and talking in person for yeah. once, I guess, um, for, uh, with, a, with a lot of producers and a lot of people that, that care deeply about this industry. Well, perfect. I'll see you down in uh, Grand Junction uh, for the Colorado Cattlemen's 2021 meeting here coming up at the end of June. Hey, friends, again, thank you so much for joining us here on the Cattlemen's Call podcast. Uh, feel free to submit your comments or hit me up on Instagram. Talking Ag Lane is my link, or just look up Lane Northland. And uh, we, I've had a lot of interaction with producers that listen to the show, and we've had some great uh, suggestions for show content, and, uh, and I always look forward to talking to people. Uh, but Kobe Buck with AgriWeb, thank you so much, and, and, and thank you to AgriWeb for reaching out and uh, to us and uh, uh, asking us to help tell their story. We really appreciate that. Uh, all the tools that are out there to help people stay in business, it's great to learn more about them. Kobe, thanks for joining us. Yeah, Lane, thank you for having me, and I hope you guys get some good moisture and have a great rest of the year when it comes to finishing up uh, with the calves and, and starting to look at breeding season. Oh, definitely. We're, we're hoping the, these uh, corn prices uh, don't impact cattle market too much, but I'm optimistic. Hopefully everything goes well. And I hope everyone is having a great spring, and I hope your day is going well uh, in addition to that. Well, friends, that will do it for today's Cattleman's Call podcast. I'm your host, Elaine Nordland. We will catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to NCBA's Cattleman's Call podcast with Lane Nordland. For more information, visit ncba.org and make sure to subscribe to the podcast today.